Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today on Brand Story, Inc. is Lou Dubois, the Director of Global Editorial Content at Hilton. Lou works across Hilton's 18 brands, 6,100-plus hotels in 119 countries and territories, where he oversees video production, product, and editorial content strategy on a global scale. He's also responsible for Hilton's first-ever global mobile-first digital news platform, the Hilton Online Newsroom, a variety of long and short-form episodic video development, and a ton more that we'll get into. And one of the reasons I'm so excited to have Lou on today is the size and scope of the company's assets and the number of stakeholders. He's charged with delivering best-in-class content to a myriad of audiences, including media, team members, owners, communities, travelers all over the world. It's a tall order with a lot of complexities, yet many of the insights Lou will apply to all shapes and sizes of brand content studios that we'll talk about today. I also love his jump from the traditional media world to the brand side. He's an authentic storyteller at heart with the business chops to bring huge value to us here in the community. Lou, prior to Hilton, served as executive director at Dig- of digital content at NBC Universal, where he oversaw all digital products and content strategy originating from the corporate communications team. He created the global corporate video and storytelling strategy to share news from 60 plus brands of NBCU, built a digital signage infrastructure, launched an award-winning external corporate website, newsletter distribution system, the list goes on and on. And prior to NBC Universal, he worked at NBC News, where he won an Emmy and a Peabody Award, helped establish the global, di- global digital news desk, and he also had stints at Inc. Magazine as a writer, Social Media Today, Sports Illustrated, and the Associated Press. Quite the impressive bio. Lou Dubois, welcome to the show. Jay, thank you. That uh, is a really kind introduction, and uh, it makes me feel really old as I listen to all yeah, of it. Yeah, doesn't but... it? I was thinking the same thing. I'm right there with you, man. I'm like, oh, that's yeah, that's that's an interesting. I'm the same journey, right? Uh, well, let's <laughs> let's jump in with the origin story. Tell us about Hilton's content studio origin story, how it evolved, and and where you were taking things. Sure, happy to, and um, and I think I think Hilton is a hopefully a brand that uh, most of the listeners are familiar with. Uh, I came in in 2018 to this organization. Uh, it's a company that has been around now for 102 years. So we celebrated our 100th anniversary uh, in 2019, which which was really exciting to work on, and I'll get back into that probably a bit later. Um, but, but I think the reason I say that is, is this is a company that, in many regards, um, it invented the hospitality industry, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of things that we take for granted today uh, when you travel, uh, things things as very basic as air conditioning, the mini bar, hmm. uh, you know, the, the club sandwich to a degree, red velvet cake. Um, you know, a lot of these things originated at Hilton Hotels hmm. around the world. Um, and so it's really cool to, to come into an organization that has had uh, such an important and lasting legacy on the industry. Um, and I think that, you know, I've I mentioned all of that because I, I as a as a storyteller, I think leaning into some of the historical context makes my job so much easier. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, ultimately, this is a company that's been doing content for a long time, whether it was called content or brand storytelling or whatever it is. Right. Um, it's it's sort of this evolution, though, of, of sort of how how we continue to kind of progress in the world as it changes. And so I think when I joined in, in 2018, what we were really trying to do was was to evolve, I think, the way that we told our story, much like many other brands are right now, 
from a corporate POV, right? I think mm-hmm. if you think of Hilton, you think of the many beautiful hotels, you think of the um, the things you can you can do on vacation, um, but you don't necessarily think about um, you know Hilton in that sense. If if you're you know just going on Expedia or any of our you know kind of OTA platforms, what we wanted to do was humanize it, right? Mm-hmm. And so to me, that was a big part of our our mission when I came into the organization was to take take these beautiful properties and brands and you know all the all of the different countries that we operate and tell stories that were really relatable that brought to life what in many ways to me is one of the most memorable parts of travel it's the people you encounter it's the cultures you're a part of and and so what we've really done is is really invest in the infrastructure uh in the in the stories themselves across the world to to really try to hone in on what do we stand for why, why do we operate within this world? And ultimately, we're a business of, of people service, servicing people. And so we really wanted to make it about that human connection. So, mm-hmm. so that's really the, the high-level aspect of it. Um, we've, we've had some really great successes in the last couple of years. I think that we uh, have invented or invested in quite a few different technology platforms. We built, uh, as you talked about, uh, the, the Hilton Online Newsroom in mm-hmm. 2018, 2019, huge deal for us from a storytelling POV. We we build out an in-house live video production studio, which, you know, for my days at NBC mm-hmm. um, was really beneficial for us in kind of letting us do in-house video creation, you know, without going to an agency, mm-hmm. without going to an edit studio. Um, every time we've got uh, an executive who might be on television on CNBC or on, you know, Yahoo mm-hmm. or Bloomberg, we're, we're wired up for live TV at our studio. So in, instead of them going downtown to DC, mm-hmm. they just pop downstairs and mm-hmm. do the live hit and go back to their job. So I think a lot of different parts of our job that I can get into here is needed. But yep. I think from a, an evolutionary perspective, um, I think it's important to start with that historical POV and, and then kind of to bring us to present day. Yeah, no, I think that's that's super cool. I want to dig in on a couple of those things. You know, even some of those nuances, right? Like if you're really, we're going to go to the next segment here called Behind the Curtain. Um, you know, the nuances of being TV ready live, like there's such a layer below that that even yeah. our own audience, I think, underestimates. So I, we used to do that at, at uh, Teamworks Media at one point at ESPN uh, as a client. And, you know, to have the fiber connected and be able to go live, like the assignment desks start using you more just because it's convenient because you're not having to schedule yeah. places to go and like three bookings, like all those little things are, totally. are super cool. But so let's go behind the curtain. I, I, I mentioned this in the intro. I'd love for you to share the behind the scenes resources of how the editorial works at, at Hilton. It's such an enormous, um, you know, I threw the stats out there, 6,100 plus hotels, 119 countries. It's, it's, it's hard to get your head around and it must've been for you even coming in from, from NBCU. So I'm, I'm curious of how you, when you pull the curtain back, what the org structure looks like and how you look yep. at all the different assets that you have and the editorial POV of, of storytelling for a client that's got that many assets. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, I, I was, I was lucky in, in my last role at NBC universal, as you kind of got into in that, uh, it was a little bit of a, a preview to the brand uh, side for me because I was working across so many brands as mm-hmm. opposed to being within within an individual one. Um, I think that, you know, it was interesting. Again, I, I'm not the first person to come in and, and, and do content at Hilton. Right. Mm-hmm. I think we, um, we we are doing something very different now. And I think that to, to us, the structure, it's made up in a couple of different ways. So, so I report into our global 
consumer communications function. Mm -hmm. We work in partner with every other part of our business, right? So my main clients might go from marketing one week to our executives another week to consumers, media, owners, board members, team members, et cetera. You kind of got through the list there at the beginning. Um, and, And I think what's always funny in these conversations is when you hear that, you think, gosh, that must be a massive team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, when I got here, it was me. Uh, and so, you know, we've kind of built from there in the last wow. couple of years. It was uh, you? So, it was me, yeah. And and, and I want to be clear, I, I have some partners on the marketing side yeah. and in social that I work really closely with. But really from that editorial strategy POV, like mm-hmm. this was a new role. And mm-hmm. so what, what we've really done and created in the last couple of years, uh, I've got three three aspects to my job that I really uh, kind of lean heavily into. And then all those partnerships that I mentioned across the organization. Um, so we've got the, the live studio aspect, which again, I'm happy to get into some of those details, but to your point, mm-hmm. being able to go live, we're set up with LTN. So to your point, uh, you know, the ability for any network uh, to, to just dial up our LTN feed makes it so much easier to, to put somebody on television. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a whole video live studio production arm, uh, that's based at our headquarters in McLean, Virginia. We've got a, a technical director that kind of runs that day to day and a production manager who uh, handles a lot of the books and the planning and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, we've got a an original video production arm, which is, um, you know, I think a little bit more of that episodic long mm-hmm. form that we got into in the, in the intro. Uh, it's some of the longer form storytelling that we might do around Las Vegas, which I know we're going to talk about later. Some things around the 100th anniversary some of those big initiatives that organizationally we decide we need to put serious resources against, but mm-hmm. we don't want to go and and do completely out of house because it requires that in-house knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've got a couple of producers on that team and editors who all come from really unique backgrounds, both agency and, and a lot of newsrooms and, and kind of um, editorial as well, who are able to tell these crazy, you know, crazy visual, but in-depth stories about everything we talked about at the beginning. Um, the third part of my team is um, is really our our kind of written editorial content team, and so they're, they're sort of the team that keeps the uh, the online newsroom up and running as we talk about. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ideation strategy that goes into that. There's a lot of volume too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's part of our newsroom. Uh, it's also our media center, and so every press release that is an organization we are publishing, it goes through that process. And so there's a lot of proofing. There's copy editing. There's voice, tone, style, all that kind of stuff that. You know, you want to make sure if you're putting out there in, in an external fashion, uh, you're being consistent with. So so that's the breakdown of my team. And like I said, I partner really closely with our, our social team, mm-hmm. our content marketing team, our executive comms team, internal communications, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but our remit is really to, to service all of those clients as best we can inside the organization uh, as needs arise. You know, it's one thing. Uh, thanks for taking us behind the curtain there. It's one thing to throw in a bunch of stats of 6,100 plus hotels. And like when I try to set up the scale and scope of the organization, it's another thing uh, as we kind of segue into, I hate to even say post pandemic, because as we tape this on July 28th, right, and this is going to be running in August, um, every, every day there's new news. But you, Hilton just made a splash with the grand opening of Resorts World Las Vegas. And, and I invite you to go, if you're listening, go online, look at it. Just Google it. It's 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 an incredible, you know, behemoth. And you think that's one entity of sixty one hundred mm-hmm. plus, right? And so it's quite yeah. an immense undertaking. Uh, I would love for you just to kind of like let's drill into that, right? And your POV on a journey of what it's like through um, a content perspective when you're launching a mega hotel like that. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm happy to talk about Vegas. It's been a big part of my my life for the first couple of quarters here for the year. Um, I, I think, listen, Vegas is an interesting city. Um, right. And I think as the as the pandemic in whatever state we're in when this when this airs, um, you know, Vegas is, is a huge town based on tourism. Right. And has mm-hmm. been for a long time. Um, I mentioned some of the historical context at the beginning here. I think it's also important to call out that Hilton was one of the the real founders of, of the new Vegas that a lot of people have come to know and love. So Baron Hilton, uh, one of the sons of, of our founder, Conrad Hilton, um, his dream and his vision was to make Vegas the entertainment capital of the world. Mm-hmm. And and so we've got a longstanding history there. The Las Vegas Hilton, uh, if for those who are familiar, is, is now the Westgate in town, but was one of the biggest, earliest, you know, kind of hotel casino mega resorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a residency with Elvis Presley. They mm-hmm. had the first the first sports book, you know, all these kind of crazy things that, again, leaning a little bit into the history was was super cool. Um, what, what you're talking about uh, in, in this year, we so we've had a, a huge reinvestment in Vegas the last couple of years coming coming kind of to a head this summer. Um, so we, we spent a lot of time in kind of thinking about how do we tell this story of, of why Hilton's coming back to Vegas as big as we are, right? So mm-hmm. we, we by the end of this year, um, will have somewhere around 30 hotels in, in Vegas in the, in the greater wow. Las Vegas market. Um, but three, three really big ones on, on the Strip, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, first one uh, is the Waldorf Astoria Las Vegas, which is obviously you know, one of our, um, our luxury brands that is pretty well known for its legacy and iconography in, in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was, it's a huge hotel. It's on the Strip. It's right next to the Aria Hotel and, and kind of really close to T-Mobile Arena for those, mm-hmm. those folks who are hockey fans on this pod, because I know that's probably, mm-hmm. probably some folks. <laughs> Um, great location. It doesn't have a casino, right? So it's super luxe and kind of private if that's not your scene, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I'll, I'll be honest, like that's very much my scene is mm-hmm. not to be, you know, embedded in casino all the, all the time. It gives you this ability to like kind of really disconnect when you're at the end of your day. Um, so that's really cool. Virgin Hotels, which we did in partner with Richard Branson and, and his team, um, is sort of a reimagined Las Vegas experience at the old Hard, hard Rock location for mm-hmm. those who, who maybe have been to Vegas in years past. Super cool. A lot of sensibilities that I think hit both our brand and Virgin, uh, which is a good segue because I think it's a brand partnership, right, between two really iconic brands yeah. that um, – recognized what we could lean on each other for right so so virgin really good at some of these uh lifestyle quirky things that kind of make the hotel or the resort itself so interesting and unique to spend time at hilton obviously this long-standing super well uh intentioned hotel operator and so it's a kind of a perfect a blend of the two um it's also a beautiful place so i'm being honest i I spent a lot of time there and it's (laughs) it's super cool what they've done with it um, so, so that segues me to the last one, which which is Resorts World, which you talked about. So we opened Resorts World Las Vegas at the end of June. Um, I think it was June 26, 27. So a little bit mm-hmm. a little bit over a month ago, probably. Um, this this is a place that, um, you know, if you envision the new Vegas, like I think this is what it embodies. Right. So it's it's got three hotels inside the the place. All of them are Hilton. So. So one is a Conrad, which is also one of our luxury brands. One's a standard Hilton, and the other one is an LXR or Croxwords, as they call it. Um, that's the first time we've had kind of three big hotel brands as one mega property. So mm-hmm. it was a huge deal for us. We added over 3,000 hotel rooms mm-hmm. um, you know, to kind of be a part of this. This property is, is in partner with Genting Group, which for those who, who might know from, from some of the uh, travels they may have done in Southeast Asia, is a huge 
um, player in the in the gaming space when it comes to mm-hmm. you know places like Macau and Taiwan and things like that. So really an amazing kind of partnership between the two. Again, we realized we wanted to get back on this trip in a big way. This place totally changes the game. Again, to your, to your point, like how do we how do we do it and, and make an impact? Um, and, and so I think to, to the content point, you know, we we looked at a couple of different things. One is, like I said, how, how do we look at some of that history? How do we talk about the investment in all of these different segments of the market so that no matter what price point you're looking to travel to Vegas on, we, we've got you covered? Mm-hmm. Um, the other really big part of this is, you know, if you're a Hilton Honors member, right, which we've got 115 million of them, I think, uh, at last check by my by my data. Oh, man, and here I was um, thinking I was special. I'm one of 115 million. <laughs> Thanks, Lou. <laughs> but but you can now use your points and stay at one of these places in Vegas, right? Which yeah. like, you know, you think of some of the other hotels in Vegas, and they're beautiful, but they're all very unique and independent and bespoke. And so I think that the yeah. ability to to travel, even if you're not using points to earn points, right, I think mm-hmm. is super attractive yeah. to a lot of people. So so we used all of that. I think um, from a content POV, we did a lot around the opening itself. So there's some videos out there that kind of showcase the grand opening event. Um, which was stunning, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some amazing parties that we threw at the hotel, kind of in the uh, in the run up and, and day of, uh, in partner with the Resorts World team. Uh, Paris Hilton ended up coming with the family, which was really cool to kind of see. Um, you know, they've got a relationship with with our CEO and our organization, obviously. Still, um, DJ Tiesto was there. It was it was a party, right? It was a Vegas yeah. party, and it was super super cool in this year that we've had to come out of a pandemic in, in this kind of way to to have such an exciting opening, bring all these jobs to Vegas. I think we have 6,000 jobs at Resorts World alone, 8,000 jobs that are new in the market, plus mm. those you know, new hotel rooms. So it's a great story for us across the board as we talk about all of that. I, I think that was a bit of a long answer, but hopefully it gives you some of the the context as to why Vegas was such a big deal for us this year. Well, it enables me to kind of pivot into, you know, you and I first met, I think, over a year ago. And one of the things from a macro perspective that's really interesting about this is the industry that you're in, right? It's been a roller coaster ride. You know, it's no secret, yeah. right? That travel and hospitality. And now as, you know, in, in recent months, people have started to travel again and, and some in record, record numbers um, for now. I'm curious how your perspective and brand storytelling voice have changed due to COVID. Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting, I guess, what, 17 months Mm -hmm. now that we've, we've sort of been going through this. Um, And and yeah, there's, there's no way around it. The the travel and hospitality industry was, was hugely impacted by this um, unfortunate pandemic. Uh, I think that, you know, the first thing I'd say, you know, we, we spent a lot of time last year, really stepping back right to understand what do consumers want from us right and mm-hmm. and i think that goes into the content strategy mm-hmm. significantly right um they didn't want us to talk about all the beautiful new hotels we were opening or mm-hmm. building around the world they didn't want to talk about the things that they couldn't do right like because mm-hmm. i think that's one of the big parts of travel is escaping your your sort of every day mm-hmm. um what they did want to know is is what were we doing for for our communities and for the people that work at the hotels for mm. you know some of our partners that we work with that you know how do mm-hmm. we how do we as an organization we got all these hotel rooms around the world what can we do with them to make a make a difference right um so early on in the pandemic for us it was finding ways to to assure people number one that you know, we were doing all the right things at the hotel, both from a staffing perspective, uh, as well as from, you know, kind of reinsuring that 
everything was as clean as possible. Mm -hmm. There's this narrative out there that, you know, we added more cleaning. Mm -hmm. We did, but, but hotels were always clean just, Mm -hmm. just for clarity. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, kind of hitting people with, with some of that important messaging that you needed at that time, but also doing really interesting stuff from a kind of partnership and content POV that I think showed to the community aspect Mm -hmm. of what I talked about that we're not just a hotel company. So we, we partnered with our friends at Amex uh, who we've got a, a credit card with mm-hmm. and essentially what we did was provide over a million rooms for first responders hmm. so those were people who were working in in hospitals and all these different places at the beginning of the pandemic and if you go back and look at some of those stories i mean these were people working 18 hour shifts six seven days a week mm-hmm. right um and what was crazy is because nobody knew what we knew now as far as the, the transmissibility of this virus um, a lot of places would not allow these folks to go and stay there at night. There was a big challenge uh, with some of the home rental companies, for mm. instance, right? If mm. if a nurse tried to rent mm-hmm. a um, an apartment in New York City, um, a lot of them were getting turned away when they showed up when they found out that they were a nurse, which is just crazy when you think mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that partnership was huge for us. We did a great job of kind of – it wasn't for the story, but it was a great way for us to kind of connect with that community and show mm-hmm. that we cared and we partnered with um, – about 19 or 20 different nurses associations to, to accommodate those different folks who are traveling and staying at hospitals. Uh, we worked with world central kitchen and Jose Andres, who um, I, I probably don't have to share a lot of info on. If you, if you do a little work mm-hmm. and look into some of the work they did last year, just incredible, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they've been doing it for years, but um, donating food to, to some of these people too, who are working these crazy long shifts in different cities um, to people who are in need and, and things like that. So, so I think early in the pandemic for us, it was very much around like meeting consumers where they are, right? Like we also did a really good job since you're an honors member, um, extending all the honors benefits for people, right? That's mm-hmm. a big paranoia that a lot of people who travel has is mm-hmm. like, you know, well, I, I built up this status. I've got diamond status. I'm not going to be able to travel this year. What happens? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so all of that was extended through 2021. Um, you know, I think it put, put some of those fears away from people as we evolved through the year, we, we recognized that it wasn't it wasn't necessarily going to be an easy year, again, as I said, with, with letting people know what we had opened and where they could go. But it's kind of re-energizing them about, like, why travel is so great, right? Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, we, we came out with an ad campaign that had a lot of content components uh, in the early fall mm-hmm. that um, leaned into this idea, like, it was called To New Memories, right? This idea that we've all been through a lot in the last six months, now year and a half. Um, let's, let's look to the future. Let's look to creating new memories, whether that's you traveling with your kids and, and watching, you know, your daughter take uh, her first cannonball into the pool because <laughs> she's never been to a hotel pool before. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, cozying up on the, uh, on the balcony of your hotel with a coffee, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a nice plush robe, which you probably don't do at home very often. Mm-hmm. Like all those little things about travel that I think make that experience so unique. So that, that campaign did really well. We had a lot of spinoff com- components to that. Um, you know, we did a lot from the content POV with surveys and kind of getting data out of mm-hmm. people to understand where they were. Um, and then I'd say the last thing as we've kind of come through the, the early part of this year, um, you know, Vegas was a huge opening. So we spent a lot of time on that, as I talked about earlier. Um, but it was really about giving people the, the tools they needed to travel again. Right. So we we did some really interesting stuff at the beginning of the year. We talked about how travel has changed. Right. We did a, a whole series of content that kind of gave people who've been on lockdown for the last year, like, here's some of the things you may have forgotten. Mm-hmm. or Here's some of the things that that maybe you should look out for as you as you move up, move around mm-hmm. again. And I think 
kind of being that enabler that, yeah, you, you're going to stay with us, but we also want to be a voice for the industry for you to make sure that you know when you when you are ready to get out there again, whenever that is. And, and some people have been doing it for a while. Some people haven't done it at all yet. Uh, you know that you've got you know a good, reliable company that's giving you some of the, the context and background you need. Yeah, I love that. We had a recent um, uh, podcast guest, Afdel Aziz, who wrote a book on uh, Good is the New Cool, The Nine Principles of Purpose. And one that we spent some time talking on is for, from a brand perspective was, I think it was number seven, could be off, but it was for brands, be the helper, not the hero. And I think mm-hmm. what you just said really you know, encapsulated that, right? That nuance of reminding totally. people and educating people and, hey, it's been a while, like let us be here to, to kind of help you, which is, which is super sharp. All right, and then I transition here. We've had quite yep. a recent run of conversations about storytelling that goes beyond brick and mortar. And I, I regularly talk about how a lobby and a Twitter page are very much alike. They're a customer and stakeholder communication touch points if you want to just kind of pull back, right? And I'm curious because you know, hotel experiences within the the brick and mortar have become in many ways storytelling vehicles, right? I can't even imagine. Like you look at the the, the pictures of resort, Resorts World Las Vegas and <laughs> is it a hotel? Is it a casino? Is it a storytelling venue? Yes, yes, and yeah. yes, right? How, yeah. how is this sensibility evolving through your perspective at Hilton in, in the hospitality industry in general? Yeah, so I think, I think hotel – organizations and, and Hilton specifically in this in this regard you know we've got a unique uh, value proposition in, when it comes to the, to what you're talking about here because I think for a long time people just thought of hotels maybe as the place you stayed when you mm-hmm. traveled right um, I think that narrative has shifted so drastically to the point where you know there's a lot of people who travel and maybe never leave the resort property or never leave mm-hmm. the hotel because there's so many different activities you can take part in you know you you, you go to a couple of different restaurants you you go to mm-hmm. uh the seven pools at resorts world right like you could literally never leave that place and mm-hmm. i think have i don't know six weeks worth of stuff to do <laughs> um which is crazy but but i think that you know to your point the the whole um the whole twitter analogy is a funny one to me because i think that ultimately there's there's so many conversations happening right in the mm-hmm. course of any given day in this in this society that we live in today Mm -hmm. but in in any hotel too right i think it's always fascinating and this is what always you know when i when i travel um i find to be so fascinating is sitting in a lobby bar right and listening to some of the conversations that are going on around you Mm -hmm. and i think that it's it's so interesting and and to the analogy you're making it's kind of a little relative to twitter right you've got Mm -hmm. all these different types of people who are just having their own little sort of conversations but you bring it all together and it's such an interesting marketplace because ultimately to me you know you've got this this incredible um place that essentially brings folks together from all different backgrounds um and lets them feel safe and secure and, and and do whatever they need to do i think again to go back to the people point that i made earlier it's empowered by individuals that work at these hotels and the the folks who work there. That's, that's to me like the secret sauce that we talk about all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like your experience is either, you know, you're either making it or breaking it by having great service. And I think that it's one of the things we really pride ourselves on as an organization. Um, Our people take such incredible pride in the jobs that they do. And, and you know, you see them smile when they're, they're making you happy. And I think that's to me, 
it's the differentiator, right? From some mm-hmm. of the, like I talked about the home rental services and things like that. It's very transactional in nature, right? This is not a transactional relationship that we have. Many people come to our hotels because they know the guy who works at the bar or they know the mm-hmm. person who's the concierge or the front desk person or the, you know, the person who's the server at the restaurant. And like, that's a part of your regular uh, sort of cultural acumen. And in a year like this, right, where we've lost so many of those touch points, just going back and seeing a familiar face, oh, man, it's been so long. Mm -hmm. How are you? How's the family? Like, that's super cool to me. And that's, to me, like that lobby mentality that you talk about. Well, cool. I think um, communication cliff notes, this is a little bit, you know, inside baseball, but this is the audience, right? We're we're, we're peers. Curious how Hilton's editorial team best communicates both internally and with externally with clients on projects and what's changed uh, and is changing based on the remote. Yeah, for sure. And and I think, uh, I think there's a couple of different answers I can give you on this, but I'll try to keep it short since I've probably, probably gone long in a couple of these. I think, um, you know, it's finding the right way to communicate with the right team, right? So we, we've invested in a couple of different technology systems I'll speak on the video side, particularly just to start, mm-hmm. um, we, we, we use uh, Frame.io, which um, probably probably some folks are familiar with um, from an editing and feedback loop perspective. I mm-hmm. think if, if you if you need to collect a bunch of approvals and feedback from different people, you could do it over email. You could do it by sending out a Vimeo link or something like that. But it becomes a bit of a hot box of commentary, right? Yeah. And so for us, being able to capture all of that in one place is really important. Um, we've invested in, in a couple of different systems, again, not to get super tech and, and Lou, Lou, Let me jump in there. Frame.io enables you we don't have that we don't use that so i'm curious it enables you to do um, yeah so so frame.io basically it's it's a it's a solution where you you upload the the project or whatever you're working on right yeah and you can share out a a, there's a couple of different links you can share out one is a review link so basically Mm -hmm. people you know drop comments in at specific time codes that show up within the the program itself so when when we go back and look at it later I can see a, a collated version of all of the 40 comments that may have been made. People yep. maybe add to somebody else's comment versus kind of sifting through 40 emails, if you will. From yeah, we gotta, we so. gotta, we gotta go there in our place. That's why this, this is, this is the inside baseball stuff that I love, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Coincidentally, MLB uses the same system when we were talking with them a couple weeks I'm, ago. So. I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a really good one. Um, <laughs> we, we use again, not, not to get into too many technologies on you, but, um, we, we use Airtable as well from a planning POV. Okay. Uh, Airtable is a great, uh, it's kind of in the, the realm of, of project management, Trello, that sort of stuff. That, mm-hmm. that what do you like you about plan. it? Like, Why does it work for you guys? Why does your team like Airtable so much? Yeah, I think it's it's honestly just peace of mind knowing everything that's going on. I think you talk okay. about the size and the scale of our organization. So, you know, we're able to see in any given moment in time or month or week, here are the different things that are happening around the world, both from an executive Mm -hmm. POV. Here's the conferences that maybe people are at. Mm -hmm. Here's the external news we should be aware of maybe, Mm -hmm. right. That we shouldn't be competing against. Mm -hmm. Um, And here's what we have to be planning against. I think it gives us that ability. um, I'm a huge process and planning person. Mm -hmm. And so I think particularly with content to do it well, you need to have the ability to look at that kind of big picture to really then dive deep into each individual project because, Mm -hmm. you know, with small teams, I talked a little bit about, I think that's particularly for a lot of the folks um, who are maybe just starting out. It's one of the most overwhelming things, right? Is you might have 
30 projects on your list before the end of the year. But if you know when things are due and can kind of push them out at different times, you, you can put your right people against them and, and really get what you need. So, so those are two that really help us. Cool. Um, happy to get into more, but I think that ultimately, you know, the biggest thing about communication is involving is involving the right people at the right times. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I've got great partners across the company that, that we work with regularly who, you know, we've got a good feedback loop and I think, um, everybody involves the right teams when they need to, uh, to kind of get people pulled into projects as needed. So it's, it's a pretty good, pretty good structure for us. One thing I love is I'd love you to pick a project or, or anything and, and talk about success metrics. We talk about that a lot on the show because I think a lot of us are in solidarity of constantly trying to um, validate and prove our work to others within our organizations, right? Um, and, sure. and so I'm curious if you could give an example of how you recently measured success on a project. Yeah, and I'm going to go to an example. It's it's um it's a, it's pre-pandemic, but I think it's it's relevant for this conversation, right? Because um we we had a project that we launched in um in late 2019 into 2020. Um we we had celebrated uh what was going to be the 50th anniversary of um John and Yoko Ono's Bed in for Peace. Mm. Uh, for those mm-hmm. for those who are who are fans, they they celebrated at the Hilton Amsterdam, right? Mm-hmm. So that was Basically, they, they took up residence at this hotel room really to to kind of protest what was going on in the world at the time, which was really around the Vietnam War. Um, this is a, a moment in time. You know, we recognized 50 years on that, you know, we could just talk about it, show some pictures from the hotel. Cool. Great. Like awesome story. But um, we wanted to do something a little a little bigger. Right. So we use that as an opportunity to actually talk about some of the work we're doing in sustainability and community investment and in sort of the, the CR ESG world that mm-hmm. we really um, wanted people to know about. And we did it through that human lens, right? So, so we ended up releasing a project. It was called Room 702, which was the room they stayed in um, when, when they were at the Hilton in Amsterdam. And really what this did, it was profile individuals who work at our hotels around the world who are going above and beyond to, to sort of drive that mission that like through world travel, we can, we can bring world peace. Um, so a couple of different episodes, we had one guy in, in Germany that we profiled who was a Syrian refugee, escaped and literally left his family, you know, one night without really mm-hmm. much of a notification, started a new life in Germany, right? And needed support, didn't even understand the language. How do I, how do I do this? Right. Um, so an incredible story. He's, he's a, a part of our training program that we've got over in Europe. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the hospitality investment program that, that he's going to, is preparing him for this new life and just an incredible story. We've got a housekeeper in Orlando who, um, you know, was born and raised in the Dominican Republic and is the champion at the embassy suites that she works at for our soap recycling program. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, Mm -hmm. you know, seems super simple in nature, but you know, you think about the amount of people in the world and especially during the last year with the pandemic, Mm -hmm. like who don't have access to soap to wash their hands with. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, so what, what we do is we partner with organizations, this one called Clean the World, um, to donate some of those leftover bars of soap and, and then bring them to those countries mm-hmm. where, where it's a lot less likely. She ended up going back and, and seeing the impact. And so anyway, that's super. so cool. I think see, seeing some of those stories come to life is incredible. But then I think what to me, you know, measuring success on those, h- how does that, you know, organizationally change the narrative, right? So, so I'll start externally because i think that's that's probably the most relevant for this group um as we released all of these they got they got a ton of media pickup right i think partially due to the to the john and yoko Mm tie-in um but also to this idea that 
you know, I think I think a lot of people want to know what companies are doing, not just in the business yep. they're in, but in, in, in how they're helping the world become a better place. Mm-hmm. And so so this advanced that narrative, I think from a numbers POV, these videos, they crushed it for us, if I'm being honest, like we, we released one in China, um, which was the last one in the, in the series. And uh, we had a, a full paid media plan behind it or, you know, mm-hmm. really to push, push this out over a lot of very unique social channels in China. Um, before we even got to that, it hit 22 million views through wow. organic channels. And wow. so we talk about reach and volume. And I think what it showed us in, in that market particularly was there's an appetite for this stuff, right, if you do mm-hmm. it the right way. And so I think numbers do a great job. It, from a measurement POV, we, we measure brand sentiment on a lot of this stuff. So I okay. think that's a big one for people to think about as yep. you go into these kind of uh, conversations. Uh, it's an easily trackable metric, especially if you're using YouTube, uh, to basically see like upticks or, or downticks in brand sentiment after they watch that video. So, so a lot of basic stuff that you can get out of the service there. Um, I would then say internally, that became such an incredible project for us. We, we now have a Room 702 award that's given out every year to, to an individual in the company who, uh, who embodies all of those ethics that I talked about. Um, and it just kind of became a rallying cry, right? It, it was, a, in it. many regards, a really unique time for us. We launched, we launched our, our foundation um, you know, right around the same time. And I, and I think what it does is it, it gives recognition to the fact that great content or great storytelling can lead to all these other organizational changes, which to me was one of the coolest things to see. Super cool. All right. So home stretch, wish I would have known really loved your transition. We talked about your uh, really impressive background, NBCU among many other places prior to coming to Hilton. Now that you've been there for, for three plus years, what are the wish I would have known lessons you've learned as you've transitioned into your job as head of global editorial at Hilton? Yeah, for sure. I think um, so. So I think it's important to know um, a media job uh, is, is very different regarding depending upon where you work. Right. Mm-hmm. I was lucky to work in some incredible organizations that you mentioned there between NBC and Sports Illustrated, Inc. and a couple of others. Um, I think you take some things for granted, for sure, when, when you work in those big companies, especially that have uh, set processes and procedures mm-hmm. and and technology. Right. Like, to, to be real, I think that's that's a big one. So. You know, I think for a lot of these brands who are investing in content, um, technology infrastructure has not really been a thought that they they often you know put a much put much time and effort and money against. So, I'll use a very simple example of you know like an asset management system, right? Which mm-hmm. from a video from a video POV, like we need it so badly to pull assets down and mm-hmm. up and, and kind of move things around based on the project. Um, most media companies have these built in; they're in house, right? There, there aren't many brands that have done this really well where you've got kind of an asset repository that you can pull from for photography, video, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, so I think, you know, my, my point on that one is, is technology, right? Mm-hmm. Like it kind of drives our world right now. But I think that understanding how much time it takes to, to really do technology right and, and, and how important that is in getting the content right, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, you're you're kind of redoing everything every time. So I think, I think that was a really interesting learning. I think the other big thing for me, honestly, and, and, and I've got a couple of good folks on my team that all come from journalism backgrounds as well, um, is, you know, I don't think, I don't think when you work in media, you actually appreciate how uh, tangible and transferable your skills are to the brand world. I've had mm-hmm. a lot of conversations with folks who are, who are considering the jump, right? Former, mm-hmm. you know, former news people who are looking for whatever the, uh, the next phase of their career might be. 
And, you know, if you've worked in journalism your whole career or in media, like it's hard to see what the brand world might have mm-hmm. for you. Right. Um, I think the learning that, you know, a lot of those skills that you learn in the newsroom about, you know, expediency and, and how to how to kind of use news judgment, how to deal with people, how to have conversations, even just the very basic thing of like, you know, how to ask the right questions of people is such an important part of my job every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I can't reiterate to enough people when it comes to, you know, sort of that transition, because honestly, you, you are so valuable when you have a media background in almost any company right now uh, for a lot of reasons. And and I think that I took that a little for granted, uh, to your point. And, and I wish I would have known uh, to answer your question that 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 media background was going to feed me so much of the knowledge that I needed instead of being as terrified as I was when hmm. I made that jump. Well, I appreciate you being honest about that. And I love it. I mean, that's the premise of brand story and why we even do this, right? It's like those of us who like you and I, who came from the, the media side of the world that, you know, it's really not that much different and there's a ton of opportunity that your room 702 project is, is awesome. Right. I mean, that's what yeah. we storytelling live for, right. How, making a difference and changing the world through storytelling. Super cool. All right. So final totally. question on the personal side here, bedside book stand, what are you reading for fun these days? Yeah. Uh, so, so I've got, I've got two on the bedside right now. Uh, I've, I've, I've been doing a, a good bit of reading on both. So, so one is, is called range by, uh, by David Epstein. Uh, it's really focused on, you know, how, how generalists are, are sort of taking over this world that used to, you know, be made up of specialists. And, mm. and I know this is super nerdy and wonky, but I think it's this idea that you may have had a single skill in the past that really carried you through your mm-hmm. life and your career. Um, we now live in this world where um, what they call polymaths uh, for, for those mm-hmm. in the know um, or generalists, right? The, the more you know about a little bit of everything, the better it's going to help you in the long run. So it's a super interesting book that talks about why having range, which is the title cool. uh, in your skills is super important. So, so that's one. Uh, and then the other one, which I'm, I'm admittedly not too far into yet. I'm a huge Bourdain guy. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, world travel is his new book that, that kind of talks about life experiences and how, uh, how culture, you know, in different places can kind of make you a different person. And so uh, those are the two on my, on my bedside that right now. Um, seems very relevant for the global yes, editorial, exactly. the head of global editorial of Hilton. Hilton. Yeah, for sure. Lou Dubois, thank you so much for sharing your time and insights with us. Jay, thank you. Been a pleasure. Good to, good to do it. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.